I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I am your host, Menas. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, starting with Paul Dennett. Paul, welcome. G'day, Menas. G'day, everyone. Great to be here. And joining us from Network 10, Jaleesa Apps. Jaleesa, welcome. Oh, uh, hello. It's such a pleasure to be here with Paul. We've gone through HR, we've worked out our issues, and we're together <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're fresh off our exciting announcement of our very first live show, a Saturday, October 14th. Tickets go on sale June 9. So right in the middle of the World Test Championship final, because there will be no better way to celebrate Australia's ascendancy to the top of the Test uh, Championship other than buying tickets to our show. So, um, yeah, very exciting. Um Paul and Jaleesa and I have been chatting a lot about it. So uh, it's going to come around quick. And, um, yeah. Yeah, Pat Cummins actually messaged me. He said um, if uh, Australia's batting during that um, – so, so Australia's um, – no, that joke doesn't work. No, it has to be – one of the Indian one of the Indian players messaged me and said if they're, um, if they're um, batting during the time when the tickets go on sale, he's going to deliberately get out just so he can be first in the queue to buy them. That's a good joke, wasn't it? <laughs> I like that it became an unnamed Indian player. Yeah, and we'll vet we'll vet the material for the live show more than we do for the podcast. You can be rest rest assured of that. <laughs> All right. So uh look, we, we thought we'd get together. Paul and I have been doing our weekly IPL super over shows and actually we've been covering how the Aussies have been doing um, over in, in the IPL. So if you want to go and jump onto the IPL super over show, it's, it's taking India by storm, you know, it's, it's flying up the chart. So, um, you know, go and consume that, but there's actually been quite a bit of domestic news um, on the cricket front, you know, really cricket does never stop. And it's a cliche, one of many used by, um, you know, people like me, um, but it really does. It doesn't stop because it's supposed to be the off the holiday period but there's some things we just cannot ignore. So I've made Jaleesa on a day off um, stump up. I've made Paul after a long day at work um, because they're both fired up. Like they got fired up about this Aussie international cricket uh, schedule. Now, uh, so they've released what's going to happen next summer. The, the Australian women's team are hosting the West Indies and South Africa, and the men are hosting Pakistan and the West Indies. Now, when the the the, the women's uh, schedule dropped, first uh, of October, North Sydney Oval Women's T Twenty International. It's essentially the opener to the international home summer. I thought all good, no problems. But then I see this tweet from Jaleesa. My rage at Cricket Australia's shambolic scheduling of the Australian women's cricket team, which includes one game on NRL Grand Final Day in Sydney. My rage has been temporarily calmed by hearing all the middle-aged men calling it to Jimmy Smith also raging. Well, Jaleesa, why were you firstly raging at this schedule? this particular schedule, this game? I think it's pretty obvious, Menas. It's the fact that you've scheduled the women's game, the first game, to be 
on the NRL grand final day. And I know that I saw a tweet from you, which frankly I mostly ignored because I just knew you were poking the bear. Then you were like, I don't care if it's grand final day. I'll still be going. I don't care about the grand final. Well, that's Mm. great for you, Manners, but there's two problems with that. The first one is you might want to deny the influence of the NRL grand final in Sydney, but you would be very ignorant. The second problem is that not only are you pitting the women's game up against the NRL grand final, but the exact time of the women's game you're putting up with the NRLW grand final. Now, there are a lot of young girls Mm. whose parents like to take them to both. So I find it just completely stupid. A lot of the counter arguments were saying, oh, it was the only time that they could do it. Oh, give me a break. Give me a break that it's the only time, the only location that they could do that fixture. Why won't, don't you do it two hours down the road? If you, you could absolutely had to do it that day, do it two hours down the road in Canberra because Canberra turns up to everything. I don't, as much as it pains me to say, I don't think the Canberra Raiders are going to make the grand final this year. I've slowly wow. admitted that to myself. And so I don't think it was going to affect Canberra if you had it there. I still think it would be a silly day to do it, but I think that people would turn out to that. The third thing is not only are you affecting people going and you're affecting people watching either the NRLW or the women's game, you're affecting any media coverage. I will not be able to cover that game at all. I will not be covering the lead up at all. I will not be covering any aspect of that opening fixture at all because I will be diverted and all my resources will be diverted to covering the NRL grand final that week. Why could you not do it a couple of days later when we have dead air on the TV, we have dead air in the papers, we have dead air where you could have filled it with a hell of a lot of promotion. I just find it symbolic. I agree. Um, Hard to argue. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, um, and I, I I think that the the notion that they had no choice, yeah, I mean, sure they could have done it the day before. Um, the day before is a Saturday. Um, what's wrong with the thirtieth of September? Look, the only thing I would say that is that is the AFL Grand Final. <laughs> um. It's like we worked a bit, like it's a sort of Sydney versus Melbourne thing. What's that? The AFL Grand Final. <laughs> Wow. Um, and if you, even if you were going to have that in Sydney, it is still quite a big day in Sydney. So, but I, I, the week, the days afterwards, even if you did it midweek, it would have still worked better than doing it on the weekend. It would have still filled a lot of space in the media landscape, and people who wanted to go would have still gone. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing that you that. The most compelling thing you said to me, Jaleesa, was that the NRLW grand final is at the same time they're intending to play this match. With, with To me, just that doesn't make sense because, you know, as you said about the, the, they are a sort of similar fan base. So, yeah, I, that, that swayed me. The only thing I would say is um, without that component, if if it was being played in another, say, a Junction Oval in Melbourne, where they're not really into NRL down in Melbourne, um, and it was played in the afternoon. I wouldn't mind that so much, but yeah, apart, but I think it's just silly to have it in the same city um, on the same day. And I looked at the TV ratings because you know I didn't know, but you know apparently a lot of people watched last year's NRL Grand Final, like two point seven million people, which is down to me. Honestly, thought there'd be like a million people watching it. So um, no, it's the it's like the second high, like a State of Origin is the highest rating thing in the country, and then you've got the Grand Finals. Yeah. So, so yeah, you win. Uh, I concede. I think you already wow. knew that. You were just, you were just playing with me. Uh, uh, the NRLW thing was the most compelling thing because I was going to my one part of my argument was that I thought Cricket Australia would have some data that would sort of show that the audiences don't really cross over between like the men's NRL and the. Australian women's cricket team attendance wise, but anyway, I'm not, I've lost this argument. I'm not even but also, but also, I wouldn't even agree with that because as I, I was, just don't rub my was, face in it. I was, I was listening to the Jimmy Smith show on SEN, and unfortunately, there were, there were a lot of men that were calling in because that audience is mostly men, and there were a lot of men calling in that were raging about the same thing. 
So I think the audience has kind of shifted a little bit um, towards there are more men and there are more older men watching women's cricket, not just young girls. But but surely there's if you're just sitting on your fat ass at home and you're an old man drinking beer, you can then go Australian Women's International in the afternoon goes into the NRL Grand Final. Like that's a great day. Um, but, but a lot of people like go to pubs and things. They're not going to mm. show like I don't know. There's a lot of event. Why 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 risk competing? Why I risk agree. It? I agree. It's 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 an absolute stuff up. Um. All right. So. So the Australian women play three T20 internationals against the West Indies, two at North Sydney, first and second of October. And then you can come to the one the day after, Jaleesa. Thanks. Um, and then on the 5th of October at Allen Borderfield in Brisbane. And then they play uh, three one-day internationals against um, the West Indies. And then they at the end of summer, they play South Africa in three T20s, three ODIs, and one test match, the first ever test match between the two countries. Now to the men's side of things. So some have called this a thin test summer. Uh, Paul, I guess, uh, just what do you think of the men's international summer? Um, absolutely disgraceful. I think it's the um, the worst summer in prospect for 50 years. Now, that doesn't mean it will be the worst summer. Last summer ends up being a really poor summer because of um, the fact that South Africa and the West Indies didn't compete. Who knows? We might get some thrilling test matches. But just looking at it in prospect, I've gone back through every single season for the past 50 years. And I've got to go (laughs) all the way back to 1973-74 to find a, a summer that had lower prospects. And that summer... We had three test matches against New Zealand, and that was it. There's no one day, there's no nothing else. No, nothing else. That was worse. Every summer subsequent to that, we have had better test matches. We've had one day as when it meant something. We've had um, World Cups, so many different things. Not only that, this summer, in terms of free-to-air content, we have five test matches of free-to-air content only, um, at least last summer we had the World Cup with some free-to-air stuff. Uh, the fact that the the, the one-dayers and the T20s are, are behind the paywall, we're still right at the, the limit of um, the least amount of free-to-air television that you're going to get for for the cricket. Now, um, South Africa, sorry, Pakistan, we have a, a pretty good rivalry with. It could be better. I could see if we'd nurtured it more, the Australia-Pakistan rivalry could approach the Australia-India rivalry. Hopefully one day it will. This is no slight on Pakistan. They're a wonderful cricketing nation. I'm really excited about them coming out here. They're 200 million people. It's fantastic. But they haven't, not only have they not won a test match in Australia since 1995-96, they haven't drawn a test match in Australia since 1995-96. It's pinning a lot on a team that hasn't won since, um, you know, bloody Paul Keating was prime minister. Um to expect them to uh, save the summer. But those three test matches are all that we've got because the West Indies, uh, as much as we always say, well, they were you know, once great and we wish they were great again, they are abjectly terrible at the moment. And to have them two successive summers is an absolute disgrace and Cricket Australia should hang their heads in shame and don't blame the, the vagaries of the schedule. I'm always very forgiving about the schedule and I know it's difficult, but this is pathetic to have them for two test matches when we should be having our best players playing in the big bash. Instead, we're going to have two test matches. And then to top it off, the insult of the insult, three one-day games in early February. I mean, one-day cricket is absolutely dead in this country. Uh, And then three T20s uh, all against the West Indies. So we're going to have eight consecutive matches against the West Indies to conclude the summer. Already, once February kicks in, um, you know, cricket, I used to have that hashtag fight for February. Well, it's like the... It's like the AFL and the Rugby League are doing the schedule because it'll be a national joke of people saying, oh, do you realise the cricket's still on? I can't watch it because it's not on free-to-air. But Australia's playing 50 over. Yes, 50 over. It still exists. Matches against the West Indies. Um, yeah, Australia got 400. The West Indies got 200. And already, even an hour after the game, um, even the century makers in the match can't remember the result. They don't even have any memory of playing. And the crowd of 400 um, have all been um, sent to sort of... Um, inquiry as to why they turned up. It's just a, it's a summer that I'm not looking forward to. And I have never said that about an Australian wow. international cricket. Um, I'll watch the Pakistan test matches with hope, 
um, and I'll watch the West Indies test matches because I'm a masochist. But for the average Australian sports fan who's not a rusted-on, welded-on cricket um, follower, uh, let's hope the women's internationals show something. Let's hope the Big Bash show something because the men's international summer, as I said, it's the worst for half a century. Yeah, I have to agree with Paul. I'm not uh, enthused for the reasons that he said. I guess playing devil's advocate a little bit, um, when we're talking about, you know, Pakistan, that relationship could have been, or that rivalry could have been nurtured a bit. Well, maybe this is the way, the only way to nurture it. It's sort of like, if we want to, we, we can't keep bringing India and England and India and England and India and England, but I agree with you, Paul. I'm not enthused. And and the run of games with the West Indies is just they're completely pointless. Um, it's a very good point that you make because, um, yeah, I kind of can't have it both ways. I can't say we should nurture the relationship but not have them. But what I'm saying is that that three-test series against Pakistan, I'm, I welcome it. But the fact that it is the only thing in the summer yes. that I look forward to, that's a concern. I mean... I know that Australia, I think we're going to New Zealand after that. Am I right, Minister? We've got a couple That's of right, yeah. Um, surely Cricket Australia could have some, done some sort of deal with Channel 7 to say, um, uh, please show those games on 7, mate, um, uh, even though the AFL season will have started. Some sort of something to extend the summer uh, beyond what it currently is. I think there's a real opportunity there. I think that the time zone is pretty good and I think that there'd be some interest. But um, the, Totally agree. The other thing with Pakistan is if we're going to nurture them, like they'll they'll turn up having had one warm up game at most and most likely get absolutely obliterated. What I would much rather see is for them to have bitten the bullet and say, right, come along, we'll have three proper warm up games and we'll have a five test match series. Um, and the West Indies, we, we, we're going to flex our muscles and say to the ICC, no, um, we're not playing them. Um, we'll play them in. Um, Darwin in at some point in the future, but we're not playing this year. Be a bit India like, you know, flex our piddling little muscles that we have, have a proper five test series against Pakistan, um, and give us give the country the chance to get to know the Pakistani players. And hopefully, as it used to sometimes do, the series could uh, grow legs and, um, you know, be, be pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, I understand why it's eventuated this way, and I understand that they can't just have England and India and no one else. But this is a dire, dire summer in prospect. What I'd really like um, is I know it's so hard and I know it, it hasn't been possible, but I really would love some way to work out um, the main test matches being New Zealand coming here. I know just sacrificing their summer, that would be a sacrifice for them, but I still think it would pay dividends for them. Um, in terms of broadcasting rights and, and that kind of thing. I really think that um, that is the summer that everyone wants to see outside of India and England. Absolutely. Well, I do. I really agree with that. And I think that um, when New Zealand... I can't believe you're saying New Zealand should just give up their test matches. They're probably desperate to get us there. And you're just saying, oh, you know, just give them up. No, no, no. They, they, they should say, I think she's talking about um, maybe the the fact that New Zealand would have domestic fixturing during that period, but we right. should just say, yeah, actually, um, come on, come over, and they'd say yes. Um, you know, I'm getting all like you know arrogant, mm. throwing throwing our little weight around, but um, I, I really do think that the New Zealand relationship and the Pakistan relationship are the two that we should be nurturing um, much much more than we have. That they can then, uh, you know, England and India are the two big ones. Sadly, West Indies at the moment, there seems no prospect of ever being big again. South Africa um, last summer really put a dent in that, but I haven't given up on that. But I, I, I think that, you know, if we could get a, a some sort of schedule where it was Pakistan, New Zealand, India and England as our main rivals each of the four alternating years um, with five test matches, that would be really good. Wow. What an absolute blast. You just gave the, the schedule... I mean, I, I agree with you, but there, there is, you know, it's incumbent upon the World Test Championship that you have to play certain nations a certain amount of time. So we are obligated to host the West Indies. It's just, it, it's poor structure that it the last cycle ended with a home West Indies and this cycle is beginning with a home West Indies. I think um, that's got to be fixed so it doesn't happen again. Um, but, yeah, look, it's very I miss, soft. I miss, you know what, Manners, I really miss the days when you didn't invoice Cricket Australia. 
Well, I just know how the World Test Championship works. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And then the pay TV. But I've actually written on my notes the pay TV series for the the six white ball games against the West Indies because, as you you said, Paul, in a a text message, that these could be the, the lowest point in home international cricket. Yeah, I mean, it's a travesty that those games, that white ball internationals for the men's are behind a paywall. But as I jokingly said, maybe for these six, it's a good, it's a good thing. So they will be hidden because they'll be just, uh, <laughs> you know, the three T20s won't be so bad. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just 50 over cricket. I just don't think it's got a future in Australia outside of a World Cup. Um, remember last summer when Australia played England of all teams in three fifty over games and they were regarded as a joke. Um, you know, it's I just cannot see a future for bilateral fifty mm-hmm. over in Australia. And that's tragic. They're just tra- content series. They're just content no. series that they're, they're to sell ads. That's all they are. Unfortunately, that's you know, that's just the, the cynic my cynical point of view. We knew this was going to happen in the pay deal, like in the broadcast deal. We like right back when this broadcast deal was done. I remember we all sat there enraged, and we were like old man yelling at cloud sort of um, vibes. But I mean, it has come to fruition. But it's also it's such a sad thing that um, just back to the the test schedule that um, last summer the Big Bash, it's commonly agreed restored some of its prestige and a big reason for that was people like steve smith performing so well suddenly to just go oh sorry the the test players won't be available um uh, what do you say minutes well i was going to raise the point that it would actually be more worthwhile that you know some of the best you know big bash players not playing those test matches against the west indies and playing the big bash and you know give a few punters a go against the west indies just playing both I've, I've sometimes said before when there's, when there's a one-day game on on the... It used to annoy me there's a one-day game on, you know, the uh, 15th of January, and so the Big Bash had to stop and um, and uh, so the, the, the Australian players would have to play that. And the next day, they weren't released back to their franchise. Like, these guys play five days in a row, have three days off and play five days in a row. They could do that. Well, I reckon they could go even further. If the Test match is on, um, just schedule a Big Bash game in town and you could say to Steve Smith, um, you just got out. Uh, the sixes are two for seventy. Can you just pop down the road to the other ground, have a have a dig there, and then come back? Or you know, it won't matter. Um, might as well um, get the best of both worlds. Because in all seriousness, it is ridiculous that the Australian players are going to be playing Test matches against the West Indies when they be playing um, in the Big Bash. And there's a whole year that you can put those Test matches in. And um, on on that, I'd like you to go to the next ACA meeting, the Australian Cricketers Association, and bring up that playing consecutive days. Don't think they'd be too favourable, unfortunately. Um, just on the test match, um, the way they, they pan out. So it's Perth, Melbourne, Sydney against Pakistan. And then it's um, a day test against Adelaide. And then there's a day-night test to end the summer against the West Indies at the Gabba, starts on the 25th of January and finishes on the 29th of January. And obviously that means that the Australian men's cricket team will be playing on the 26th of January, Australia Day, a day that has a lot of um, issues um, domestically. Um, Ash Gardner, Australian women's cricketer, uh, spoke about her disappointment with this decision. Uh, Scott Boland, the Australian fast bowler, supported her comments. I guess, Jaleesa, uh, where are you on this? Oh, it's a really hard one because, I mean, I am not an Indigenous Australian, so it personally, it doesn't affect me, so I just appreciate that it affects someone else. So, uh, yeah, I... I think I don't imagine past this year you will see that happen again. I think there's the the movement away from um, any kind of celebration on that date is uh, kind of ramping up in the past couple of years. Even with organisations such as my own, we can we can take the public holiday on another day. Um, so I think there's a big movement away from that, and I imagine this will probably be the last um, year that you'll see something like that. Paul, what about you? Uh, I broadly agree. I'm not as confident that it'll be the last, but I think it is one of the last. Um, I think it's um, 
And I just think that Cricket Australia probably in a meeting have said, uh, well, if we were to not play it on that date, then the uh, what are we going to do? Push the test match later, push it to um, a, a period where there is no weekends or have a rest day. And whatever they were going to choose was, in their view, probably so inferior that they were willing to take the hit on the PR uh, of having it on that day, which is a pity because you would like to see them say, okay, yep, we're going to do what we think is the right thing. We're not going to play on that date. Um, And if it costs us some um, broadcasting dollars or some, um, some prestige uh, television periods, well, we'll do it. Um, But you know, that's, you know, businesses don't necessarily run that way. And and look, I, the sh- the cricket schedule is very very tight in both women's and men's cricket. And you know, I know you were talking about you know, could you bring say that first international back earlier to start the season, Paul? Earlier, well, 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 you know, the the WBBL will be finishing just before those internationals. So you know, and then at the end of the international summer for the men, they can't just give up a few days and wait till the twenty sixth of January passes because you know they've got to play the you know, get to New Zealand, play that series, and there'll be players going on to the IPL. So, you know, Cricket Australia are in a tough position and it shouldn't be on them to decide what happens on January 26th. They're not the government. Um, so I think they've done the right thing starting at the day before where they can avoid, avoid kind of any festivities. Um, but I do understand that it's, it's a complicated day and there's no real solution until the government sorts it out. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and yes, the schedule is very, very difficult, but there comes a point where if you just say, well, we can't do it, we have to find alternatives, then alternatives can be found. But but back to my other point around just the general schedule uh, uh, for the men's internationals, I just think that there's a, I don't know, a, a level of feeling as though, I don't know whether they really value test cricket as much as they, as, as much as they claim to. Um that we, we should have a landmark test match series every summer in this country. Um, and this year we've got potentially half of one. Um, and um, I just don't think it's good enough. You just sound really depressed about it. Genuinely sad. <laughs> like really no, genuinely sad about hurting it. Hurting my soul. <laughs> yeah. Listeners will be like, well, we're going to look, we're going to take a quick break now. Uh, that was the international schedule. So um, yep. Um, Jaleesa and Paul have blasted it. Somehow I've ended up defending Cricket Australia through that. So anyway, so so we're going to take a quick break. Then we'll be back with um, some more cricket news. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I am Menas. I'm joined by Paul and Jaleesa, and it is a lot of cricket news we're chatting about and some major news for the Big Bash. Major, major news. After six seasons, they've wound it back from 14 rounds to 10 rounds. And we were talking before the break about the international schedule and how thin it was. Well, this is a major, major, major opportunity for the Big Bash to capitalise on on what Paul just went on about for 20 minutes. And, um, you know, they can really, the Big Bash can really shine because I'll start with you, Paul. You've seen this happen in the past when the international summer is thin. It, it does shine a light on the Big Bash. Have I? Not, not to you. Well, <laughs> it's happened. Two, what happened two or three years ago when there was that very, um, no, four years ago when there was that very thin international summer and the Big Bash just took over and got the massive crowds. Like, that's when I think it shines. Like, international summer, India kind of gets, you know, not quite the attention. Tell us yeah. more of Paul's thoughts, Menace. <laughs> Go on. I, I think at its best, it should actually work the other way, that, yes, it can get lost in an Ashes summer and Indian summer, but that's partially because they, in that, especially that Indian summer, they were scheduling the Big Bash uh, 
to compete sometimes with it. And it was kind of almost hidden. If they if they give the Big Bash a little bit of breathing space and don't put it too clustered together, I think it actually can uh, it can benefit it. Then I, I well remember being in England um, in 2013 when uh, the first test of the Ashes was an absolute cracker at Trent Bridge, and there was a a blast game on at the Oval a couple of days later, and the commentators were surprised that it was sold out, and they were just saying there's a sort of a feeling of the the nation wants cricket, and it was that uh, the the Ashes had actually caused the blast crowds to um, to get bigger. So I think at the best of times a really good summer against India or a really good summer against England could actually be a fillip for the Big Bash. Flip side, if the, um, you know, the international summers are a, a, a dud, then I, I think the cricket as a whole suffers and that the Big Bash suffers as a result. Now, I get your point that maybe it can come to the, to the rescue of the, um, of the summer, but it's going to be difficult with the fact that the Australian test players aren't going to be playing. Um, what do you think, yeah, Teresa? I don't, I absolutely hate it. I think that everyone has hung their hopes on shortening the Big Bash is suddenly going to revive the Big Bash, which absolutely I just think hate it. absolutely hate shortening the Big Bash. I like the Big Bash. I like to watch as much Big Bash as I can possibly get in. It's wow. one of the things I'm now looking forward to this summer, given, uh, like Paul said, his assessment of the summer is pretty bleak. So, uh, the less uh, less game, big bash games makes me really upset. And I just feel like for a couple of years, everyone's gone, um, oh, the big bash season needs to be shortened. That'll revive it. And it's like, I feel like it's one of those things that people say because they heard someone else say it. So then people say it more and then another person says it more. And I just, I don't think it's the surefire way to revive the big bash. I think the big bash was really good at the end of last year and it was still um, a very long season. Um, and I feel like we were all left wanting more at the end of that season. There's a lot of other factors that play into whether the Big Bash is a success or not. And now with the tests, you know, the players that they're going to clash with the test matches, well, you're going to get less of a chance to see those players in the Big Bash now. So I don't, I don't like shortening the Big Bash. I'm not a fan of it. I don't think that's what's wrong with the Big Bash. I don't think it has been what's wrong with the Big Bash the past few years. And I think that last summer showed that. I think it's just that sports are competing with not only each other, I think every sport needs to stop the idea. I'm talking, looking at you, rugby union and rugby league. I think they need to stop. Every sport needs to stop looking at each other as a competitor and realize that their competitors are actually TikTok and Instagram reels and every other form of entertainment that we have now that we didn't have 10 years ago when the big bash was thriving. It, it, there's just a lot of more forms of entertainment. Shortening the big bash just makes me sad. I didn't know you felt that way because for about two or three years, I felt I was the only one saying that. I said I said the same thing. And you know what happened? Eventually, I kind of just fell in with everyone. It's like what you said, that enough people said it. I just thought, I'm just sick of standing as the as the lone voice against this. I'm going to join in. And I sort of agreed, oh, yeah, it's great that it's shortened. But I've just realised it was kind of um, <laughs> it's, what you said has woken a latent feeling in me as well. That Yeah, I never wanted it to be shortened. Um and I don't think that it was being too long was the problem. I think that it was um, it, co it coincided with it being a bad couple of years, but I don't think it was the lengthening of it was the that was the problem. So um, I wish you'd been saying this more, or I'd heard you saying this more in the last couple of years. I mightn't have um, I mightn't have lost the faith. I can pull up a few tweets where I tweeted it, and it was highly dissented against. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I hate to say it, but Jaleesa, you are you are so wrong on this. You couldn't be more wrong. And 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 I'm one. I, you know, there's, you can go back. I I I wanted a 14 round season. I wanted as much big bash. And like you, I will miss it a little bit because I'm unnaturally obsessed with cricket. Like it's no one should be as obsessed with cricket as I am. So I'm not normal. But for the general public. The, the Big Bash had to had to shorten because... I don't care about them. No, but no, you... Okay, well, it's, okay, Mr. Selfish, but I, I um, you know, uh, I care about the, the, the greater good of the game. And what... And I sort of did an assessment because Paul and I really, when we did the Big Smash Cricket podcast, we were saying it should go to a 14-round season. That'll be the most... Um, that'll be the competition with the most integrity. But what I think went wrong... what Well, what went wrong was the fact that once the tournament got too long, it scared off a lot of international talent. So they, they didn't want to come. And then 
um, the wages in the big bash didn't keep pace with the other markets. So therefore, you know, that was a double whammy with getting international players. I do think COVID did play a big role in sort of denting the big bash's luster. I mean, I think it had challenges before that, but I think they magnified them and maybe um, even exacerbated them. So I think you can't rule that out. And then the way the cricket, international schedule has gone even in the last six or seven years our players are much more in demand so they're much less available for the big bash so and then you throw in the other tournaments that are springing up now at the same time i just think the they had to be pragmatic and shorten the tournament and it pains me i love i love all the cricket but uh, you're just so wrong on that julissa like i was wrong on the grand final you have to concede on this take the l Absolutely not. And people. What? People I just laid really it out really, for you. Yeah, but your arguments are crap. The people well, okay, are, go through it. People, people have no. really annoyed me by saying, like, when people say, oh, you know, it goes too long. I get sick of watching it. Well, don't watch it. I don't care. I'm watching it. Like, if you, it's just, it's just nonsense when people say that. The other thing is, this focus on the international players, there needs to be more focus on getting our star Australian players. To play because frankly the international the internationals in last season were boring they were I just laid like, out, was, I just laid out why boring. they're not good okay well we it's, it's killing it in the IPL excited about Faf Duplessis boring yeah. like it, it actually a lot of the time and if you go back in the podcast and listen man is a lot of the time we're actually talking about uh when we're talking about the big bash we suddenly talk about this like young star we'd never heard of that suddenly is on fire in the big bash really are we actually talking about the internationals so i don't know i just because they're not here I, because I, it's too I long find... not enough money they're somewhere no, they're, else they're, why we're not talking about them like nick larkin played no, they, well weren't, on the they weren't good they weren't good at last they weren't good on at the last season they weren't the international that played they they weren't they were boring like we were interested in Steve yeah, Smith. We are interested yeah, in David get, Warner. If you get enough good ones here, you know what yeah, that won't be the problem. In the Big Bash? You, know what you know what they're missing in the Big Bash that they had 10 years ago? They right. had players that had just retired where there was still interest in them, but they had the time to play. They had Brett Lee. They had Warney. They had those players. And hey, that gosh. is part of the reason why the Big Bash was... Exactly, and and we just don't have those players at the moment. But but just... then so but so then even by your argument, so the old players they find a fourteen game a fourteen round tournament really difficult to stump up for, you know. So if you shorten, oh it to mate, 10... they don't, they don't. If for enough money, they don't. They're okay. They're going to get paid the same. That's the that's the thing. They're going to get paid the same anyway. So it's not going to matter. Point of order that you. Um, I'm glad you've had this opportunity for empathy. But you asked for Jaleesa to go through your argument line by line because you're so confident in. I want to. Yes, I want. I, I wanted to. I have done that to you about fifteen times over the course of the podcast, where you'll say something, I will give a very well reasoned argument yeah. that is bulletproof, and you'll go, "Oh no, I just don't agree." And then you move on. I said, "No, no, no, Menes, I want you to um, address points line by line," yeah, and you're like, moving on. So yeah, moving on. No, um, Jaleesa's points stand. <laughs> I, I, but I, th I think you should concede, Julie. Anyway, um, and you, you are so wrong on that, and I will be proved right. So the details of that are four-match final series. Now, instead of five teams qualifying for the finals, four teams qualify. Um, and uh, just on the sort of amount of cricket then being available to the, the average punter, so of the 40 regular season games, 10 will be exclusive to Fox Cricket, which means there'll be just 30 games um, for the Big Bash on Channel 7 plus the finals. But I, I do think the one... That's good, a big problem. Yeah, but I do think the one good thing about having a, a schedule like this is, like when the Big Bash was good... All the games were just on every night. There was no afternoon games, no 11 o'clock games on a bloody Thursday morning. You would, you know, you knew if you clocked on at 7 o'clock or 7.30 every night, the next game would be on. And I think they can do that much more effectively with this sort of structure. From my memory, there were no games like that last season. There were only games when that, that 11 o'clock in the morning when that was a COVID-affected games. 
I mean, there were afternoon games, like four o'clock games and stuff, like less of those. Yeah, like four really o'clock good on a for Saturday. children. Well, it's it's not good for the competition. It's like the, the, when the Big Bash was absolutely killing it, it was um, when the games were on at the same time, and you know you had Channel Ten, your network covering it, and it was you knew it was like it was like a unfolding drama every night. Now, you know, got to the stage where you sort of turn on, and you, who knows what you've missed. I'll tell you what I miss is, um, the, and I, I, I've said this before, but I know of people, and I'm not counting myself as one of them, but I'm not all that far away from it, for whom the international, the, the, the summer of cricket has always been about the internationals. That um, I have a great affection for the Big Bash, but I know others who have no interest in it whatsoever, and for whom after the test series was over, the triangular one day series and more recently the the T20 series, they would watch every ball of that and have great interest in that. The fact that that has gone behind a paywall and has lost all its luster, it has not been replaced. If you're not interested in the big bash and you're only kind of, you, you know, you live for the international staff, there's a hole there that has not been filled. And I think that that's something that they've got to address. And it's, the answer is not six white ball games against the West Indies in bilateral yep. match. There needs to be something in February, some sort of um, T20 equivalent of the Six Nations in Rugby Union, as in a sort of a, a mini World Cup. Um, and it needs to be on free-to-air. That's They've got to get to something like that, in my opinion, of saying, right, in February, we're going to have um, the West Indies will be here, Pakistan will be here, we'll get New Zealand across in South Africa, and we'll get Ireland and Scotland, whomever, have um, a six-match, uh, six-teams um playing in a um, pool nice and sharp and quick and with a final and give it something. Uh, we, we need something more than just the test cricket on free-to-air, I, I think. And it, the answer is not bilaterals. Big Bash, you just... Okay. Because oh, no, I think no, if... But I'm saying there's that, that group of people for whom the Big Bash just doesn't resonate. But but I think, yeah. I mean, I just think if, if you can get... I think maybe it's not resonated because the quality sort of dropped off a bit. But... Maybe. I see your point, though. uh, A really highly functioning Big Bash. Um, Maybe they need to really throw the checkbooks out there and say, right, we are going to um, not just have decent money for the the players, but uh, absolutely sensational money and wear the financial hit on that. I don't know whether they can afford that, though. But, you know, a lot of your argument seems to hinge on getting international players, and I'm going to be really interested to see how your argument changes. I just lost you for a sec. Can you repeat that last sentence? When the big bash is shortened and we still don't options, and because the first year there is a limit. In- um, I'm interested to see how a lot of your arguments for the big bash being shortened seems to hinge on being able to lure international players, and I'll be really interested to see how your argument changes when the season has been shortened and we still can't lure international players because of other competitions because. Cricket Australia just inevitably and sport in Australia has a ceiling when it comes to being able to pay. Uh, I'm just going to be interested to see if you still think that the shortened season was worth it. Well, I look forward to debating this in February post big bash. We'll, we'll, we can, we can, we can go through it, Jaleesa, but I'm pretty confident, unfortunately, that they had to shorten the big bash. Just take the L. Just take the L. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we've got a couple more things before we wrap this up. Um, I just, well, I guess um, I just want to touch on, we're going to get to the Ashes stuff, but f- before we take a break, I don't know if the two of you caught this new proposed finance model for the distribution of ICC funds. Now, oh, God. Is everyone turned off? No, this is... <laughs> Well, what has happened is, so now the ICC revenue from rights to their tournaments is about $600 million a year, US. And in a new proposed distribution of funds, India would get almost 40% of that $600 million per year, and then the rest is divided up between the nations. So, And Australia and England are the next two with about 5 and 6%. 
And the reason that India is getting such a large chunk of that money is the fact that most of that money comes out of rights being sold to the Indian market. 80, I think 80% of those funds comes out of just selling TV rights to India. So India is saying, well, we deserved a big chunk of it. And there has been some discussion that this is in, in an inequitable distribution of the funds. Um, I guess, uh, Paul, do you want to take the lead on this one? I don't know what I'm going to get. You two are so fired uh up tonight. No, I, I think to be quite fair, it isn't equitable. India deserve more. I mean, yeah. they do bring in at least eighty percent, if not ninety percent, of the revenue. They are entitled to say, "Well, why are we only getting forty percent?" And it's a bit rich for Australia and other countries to say, "Come on, you've got to do more," and 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 blah blah blah. So I've got no problem with that, and I they do deserve more. But what I think is that all cricket administrators and cricket lovers need to do is to say. What we don't want to have is a situation in 10 years' time where uh, test cricket has become pushed to the margins so much that it is just a cavalcade of T20 circuses playing around the year. Because um, for as much as that's fine, it, for someone like me, I would lose interest a bit. It's, it's always going to be my favourite sport, but at the moment it's my favourite sport by a long way. If test cricket got, uh, you know, if the, if the journey that test cricket has taken in the last few years continues and it gets to the point where, um, aside from you know the Ashes and an Australia India series, it's it's barely really registering, and it and most of the year is just one T Twenty tournament after the next. I will lose interest to some degree, and I just think that the sport will be lesser for that. So, no problem with India getting all the money; they probably deserve more. But I think that everyone needs to say um, let's let's not just allow naked uh, kind of greed to reduce cricket to to that level let's keep test cricket uh, as important as it currently is and as it used to be i don't mind if 50 over cricket goes goes away that'd be sad but i think it's inevitable i don't even mind if t20 cricket aside from world cups at the international level largely goes away if it becomes test matches interspersed with t20 tournaments interspersed with icc events i'm okay with that so no problem with india getting the money but um yeah I'm, you know what i mean yeah, I fully, uh, fully agree with what Paul's saying. I think a lot of the debate around this was people were saying it wasn't equal and I think it's just the old case of equality and equity and it, was, it wasn't equal but it, it's equitable. Like, yeah. it, can, I, can, I just, can I just jump in, Jaleesa? I mean, the fact is um, no. because, because of the explosion in the rights, there's more money coming into cricket than ever. So what was that? You said, can I just jump in? And Jaleesa said no. So, yeah, yep. I just kept going. I ignored her as usual. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, so, you know, I just, but there is more money going to countries than ever before. Yeah, I'm not confused about that at all. I was telling the I'm listeners, not... Jaleesa. <laughs> no, but I don't tonight. think anyone is confused about well, that. Well, I came as a big, I think okay, it's fine. pretty basic, yeah. but. Um, you started yeah. the segment by saying everyone's going to switch off. So they obviously know nothing <laughs> about what I'm talking about. Ending by like, oh, yeah, everyone knows everything. Like they're just bored. No, I just. I just inside out. I think I everyone heard finances and just switched off. I don't think they didn't understand. Um, I think it's just uh, what, what, what I, I mean, I echo the, the statement that Paul made. And I think the important part about it is not so much the division of money, but more the power and representation moving forward. Um, with the ICC so that every country has, you know, equal representation and equal vote on, on these kind of things. Uh, and that is more what I'm concerned about um, moving forward over the next few years that that uh, is maintained because I think that will be how test cricket is maintained. Yeah, I mean, that's the counter to this is that it, it should the ICC be giving more to prop up the countries that don't have the the money and the riches that India have going into cricket. But I still think if you sort of d dig down into it, it's pretty fair. I mean, yes, it's not communist Russia in like the thirties or something. Um, all right. So um, we're going to take a, a final break and then we'll be back with Ash's watch. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. It's been a, f- a fiery show. I'm exhausted and we've still got one little segment to go. Um, I'm Menes um, with Paul and Julissa. Uh, if you're still tuning in, having, you know, suffered through that uh, ICC segment that we just did, thanks for sticking around. Um, just want to touch on the Ashes quickly. Some big, big news. Joffre Archer ruled out for England. James Anderson's picked up a, ro- a, a mild right groin strain. So, Paul, they are in disarray, absolute disarray, shambles. Are you getting warmed up for our next show where we, you try and have a <laughs> moment for, for no reason? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, it's a great shame about Archer, but it, it's never looked really like it's going to be anything other than that. Like, it's it's never looked all that good. Jimmy Anderson's groin's probably going to be fine. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're looking fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've just announced their squad for the first test against Ireland of the summer for them. I guess the big news is Ben Folks, their wicket keeper, has been dropped, and it uh, looks like Johnny Bairstow will bat at seven and keep. And there's been some discussion around who will open the batting for England because um, maybe Ben Stokes will go up there because they haven't really found a settled opening pair ever. Um, no, they had Hobbs and Sutcliffe for good. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, Boy, yeah. That's the, but that's all. Good shit after them, we're all right. Uh, but the, the, I guess the other big, I mean, that's that is the big news. Um, Jaleesa, Nathan Lyon predicted five nil. Do you agree with him? Uh, no, but I like that he's confident heading in. Um, I think Anderson, he's the bigger worry. If there were, that was to turn out to be something serious, that would be. A big, big blow and really disappointing too. I mean, I find it interesting when people get excited, um, when Australian fans, I know there's a little bit of excitement when someone of a best bowler <laughs> of the opposing team and I don't really get excited about it. I want to face no. the best team and I want to see all the fire and fireworks. Yeah, and yeah I, I just, I really hope Anderson's okay. I agree. Yeah. Just- Apart from anything else, that totally aside from patriotism, it is just remarkable to see someone at his age um, still yeah. perform. And as someone who's a few years older than him, um, while ever he's still around, it's kind of like a, you know, I don't feel quite so old. I, I hope he goes for uh, at least a couple more years. Yeah. I do think if injuries sort of, I think whichever team suffers the most injuries could be the team that loses the series because I, I just, yeah, uh, even England, I think are a bit thin. Like if, if they were to lose wood as well, then they've lost their two really sort of in quick bowlers. Um, so anyway, in, that's the England. Just a, two quick things on that. One, I, with all the best wishes to um, Ben folks, I love the fact that they have dropped him um, and replaced because <laughs> You know, just that, that whole, nonsense notion is oh you've got to pick your best gloveman and then if he can bat that's a bonus this shows that's rubbish you pick um you pick the bloke who's the best batter and if you can catch the ball that's 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 a bonus so anytime a specialist wicketkeeper gets dropped um i'm delighted it's slightly muddy by the fact that he's actually a, a half decent more than a half decent batter but um that's cool chapelli if you're listening um no, don't come at me um and then <laughs> uh, sorry can i sorry, paul i was gonna say i wanted i meant to i didn't mean to brush past this you must be a big fan of ben stokes opening the batting i know i know you don't think batting orders matter so therefore you would think well Sure, open the batting. What's the difference? I think it's amusing that they've kind of um, that they think if we open the batting with him, we can then bring in another all rounder, and it's like it's like like they're trying to what's that story when you're trying to build a ladder to the moon and you've got one you're one step short, so you say, oh we'll just take it from the bottom of the ladder and we'll put it up to the top of the ladder and it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't really matter where he where he bats, but if he if he can't bowl, then that doesn't do great things for the balance of their of their side. Uh, Nathan Lyon is a strange one that isn't it weird that as I understand it, um, almost every press conference he's ever done with the exception of two, he has given nothing. He just gives very, very um, sensible, safe, boring answers. It's almost like he doesn't want to get quoted. And then ahead of the uh, 2017, 18 ashes, 
um, Alistair Cook tells the story of like he, he ran into him just before the press conference. He said, hey, you know, how are you going? You know, how are you kids? And uh, they had a lovely chat. And then um, the, the, <laughs> the, the first press conference, they say to Nathan Lyon, what do you hope for this series? And he said, well, we ended a few careers last series. We're looking to end a few careers this series. He's like brutal. And then for the next six years, he said nothing. And now he's coming out and saying 5 nil. It's a bit strange, isn't it? I like how you describe that um, every um, – I like to describe every press conference he's given, he's given nothing and being quite boring. That is every single cricketer except for David Warner <laughs> and, and Kawaja. Yeah. Um, uh, continuing on in the cricket news, uh, Michael Nisha and Sean Abbott have sort of been called into the Ashes squad. They will be training with the team in the lead-up to the World Test Championship. So, you know, if Josh Hazelwood doesn't come up, they're going to be – on the scene, so what? Um, right now, I'd pick Nisa over Stark. You're crazy. Um, what? Uh, I, I just think he's a better bowler in English conditions. Uh, all right. Um, uh, no, I want a, I want a detailed, reasoned argument. Okay. All right. Just, just, just. <laughs> Please spare me. Like, no, I'll take the L. I'll take the L. I lose. I lose. I lose. Leave me alone. <laughs> Let me get out of here, please. It's late. Um, Manus Labashain scored 170 last week in the county championship. So look out, India and then England. Pat Cummins said on some podcast, I have no idea what the podcast was, but he says he wants, uh, he was on. Rio was, yeah. Like I tried to download it. I the app to find that podcast and it just seems to not exist. It's like a podcast that never happened. Mm. I don't know. Like there's, there's four highlights from it, which may be the entire podcast, which is quite a nifty thing to do. Just um, release release four 30-second grabs and pretend you actually did a podcast. I don't know. Maybe that's fun, but I could be a new angle for us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that podcast, Cummins said he wants to play until he's 35. So five more years of Paddy. Five more years. And I predict two of those as skipper, three as just a player. Um. Well, again, it shouldn't be up to him. The government should say you're playing to your 40 champion. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Winks, no retiring. Um, All right. And and very last thing, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Usman Khawaja before Jaleesa being interesting in press conference as well. He he did have a bit of a stab at the previous regime by saying that he believed that Australia had been too reactive in dropping players in the pla- in the past, including himself, after the odd failure. And I think he's pointing at the era, you know, after that sort of golden generation in the sort of 2010 onwards, um, they, they really didn't pick and stick. And, you know, Darren Lehman had this sort of mantra, you've got to pick players in form. Uh, you had some selectors who maybe sort of thought the same, Mark Waugh especially being one of them. Um, so I guess, Paul, do you think Kawaja has a point that there was a period where the selectors were too reactive? I think he's got a point specifically relating to him, yes, because the, from my memory, there was probably three, maybe four times that he's been dropped from the side where each time I thought, that's a little hard. It's not a terrible decision, but it's a 50-50 call, and he seems to have got the the bad side of that call um, too many times, and I, there's one. There's one in particular that I, that I remember thinking, "No, that's wrong. That, that that's that's not even 50-50. They've made a mistake there." And he's proven them wrong. I mean, he's come back. He's got an average now of um, you know forty-seven or forty-eight or whatever it is. Uh, you can just point to the numbers and say the numbers prove that I should have been given um, more opportunity. So specifically with regards to him, yeah, I agree. I, I, I can't really comment on whether that you know he, the the reasons he gave of that these current players have current selectors have a bit more empathy and stuff like that. I don't know about that, but I think they were a bit harsh on him. Kawaja was dropped seven times in test cricket. I, I think Kawaja has got uh, a point. I, I, don't, I, I don't think he has a point oh, broadly. I think he has a point with himself. I think he dropped some absurd times. Don't think any, I can't, there's no one else that stands out to me where, I mean, there's a lot of times I feel like Cricket Australia have held on too long. Yeah, I got back as far as haunting. Like, I I don't, I don't think it's a broad problem, but I think it was a problem for him. Yeah, I, I do think there was a period. Out. 
no, no, no. I do think there was a problem where that they, for a while there, Australia just won everything for so long. And when it started to go against us and players weren't averaging 50, like we were used to, then we were just turfing players prematurely sometimes. Anyway, I've got to dive back into the stats from the past to um, get to the bottom of this. Um, all right, well, that's it. We've come to the end of our headlines. Um, what what an episode of Quick and Unfiltered. Now, if you if you want to follow the, the show on social media or find um, any of us on Twitter or find our Patreon page, um, the details are in the show notes. As I said, tickets to our live sale go on sale uh, June 9. So, um uh, details are forthcoming. I guarantee we're going to put a lot of work into this. So get excited. Uh, it'll be a great lead into the international summer. Uh, we're not doing it on grand final day, rest assured. Uh, Jaleesa made sure of that. Um, well, Jaleesa, great, great to talk to you. Do you want to concede finally, just to wrap this up? Just, you know, just, just take the L. I cannot explain to you how much I don't want to do that, nor would I do that. It just, it's like admitting guilt when you're not guilty. <laughs> it was great to talk to you. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, Paul. Uh, it was. Wild, it, it was. was wild, I'm, I'm exhausted. It I feel you regret it. It's emotionally exhausted. I feel like I took a beating, and I didn't do the international schedule. I didn't shorten the big bash, but I, somehow now I feel just crestfallen about next summer. I don't know. You're part of the staff, man. I've got to point the finger at someone. It's true. Um, heading into next summer, though, between now and then, there is a World Test Championship final. There is an Ashes. There is a World Cup. So, it's all good. It's all good. Until yeah, it's all good. Yep. And there's this podcast that's just getting better and better uh, until we kill each other. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.